The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Baseball is back, and so are your favorite teams and players. Catch the best of the bigs all season on ESPN Plus with over 170 live MLB games featuring every star and every team in the league. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com slash baseball. And it's NFL draft season. Be sure to check out the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny for the latest insight and analysis with the draft just two weeks away. You can find the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Monday afternoon. Joining me from Austin, Texas is Kirk Goldsberry. Hello, Kirk. Hello, Brian. How are you today? I'm good. Last time we talked, you were buried under an avalanche of snow. So I'm, I'm, I have reports that you have dug out. Now I'm sweating. <laughs> That's right. fast down and you will and you will be for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Joining us from Oakland, California is the Undefeated's Mark Spears. Hello, Mark. How are you? Just trying to figure out the world, man. Also, for the foreseeable future, you'll be doing that. Um, so we have a, a big game coming up in the NBA on Wednesday, one of the bigger regular season games on the schedule when the um uh, Brooklyn Nets visit the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, as of this moment, they are tied in the standings. Um, I don't know whether they will be tied come Wednesday because their schedules are a little fluid, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, it's, you know, ultimately it's a regular season game, but um, this their series is tied 1-1. So whoever wins this, this is the final meeting. Whoever wins this game will have the tiebreaker. So in a way, it's kind of like, uh, worth two games because if you win, you pick up a game and you pick up the tiebreaker. So it's like having another game. And, um, you know, I don't know how much home court will mean. Uh, I do know that Philly has been great on their home floor, both last year and this year. They have the Eastern Conference's best record uh, this year at home, um, although they've lost a few games recently. Uh, but before we could even get into that game, we have uh, – uh, an unfortunate event that's taken place in Minneapolis um, with, uh, you know, which has caused the game to the, 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 uh, the Nets had a game scheduled tonight against the Timberwolves. And that game has been postponed um, because of a uh, very uh, unfortunate shooting where a 20 year old uh, named Dante Wright was, uh, was shot and killed by a police officer uh, in the, just outside Minneapolis in a suburb called Brooklyn Center. Um, the game has been canceled. The, the, the Minnesota uh, Twins game against the Red Sox has also been uh, postponed. Spears, you were in uh, Orlando in the bubble when um, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, you know, organized the boycott um, following the police shooting um, of Jacob Blake just outside, uh, I uh, was in Kenosha, I believe. Um, obviously, this is an incredibly um, disappointing thing, and it's very highly emotional for a lot of people. The league moving pretty quickly today to postpone it after the police uh, announced that uh, the officer involved believed he was using his taser. Or the she. explanation. 
uh, or she, you're right, Mark. I don't know. Was it he or she? The officer uh, thought they were using a taser and, 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 and actually used their gun. So Mark, what do you think, um, what do you think, you know, do you think the league's response is appropriate here? And what do you think the next steps for at least the NBA are going to be? Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, my, my condolences to the family on this. Um, you know, as a, as a, as a black man, it, it's just, it's sickening. It's tiring. You know, I, as you mentioned, I live in Oakland, so I'm down the street from the, you know, BART station, like literally down the street from the BART station from uh, where, where Oscar Grant was killed. And and why I mentioned that is because he was a, you know, black man who was shot and killed by a cop um, uh, at a BART station, which is basically the Bay Area subway station. Um, and the cop thought they uh, says had said that they, you know, used a taser gun on, thought they were using a taser gun and instead used a gun and killed him and, you know, so it's it's sad because we shouldn't be talking about this anymore, man. It's just like I I I have had friends of different races who have called me and especially after George Floyd and basically like said, Hey man, like, you know, I don't I don't know what they wanted me to say. Um, a lot of them white, you know, how how what you know, just feeling bad about what happened and uh, I basically told them like you know what you what you're paying attention to now is something that has been happening for hundreds of years. And um, for me, I guess my moment was Rodney King. And so I, I hope the good thing, if there is a good thing, is that now people are paying attention to this and being outraged. And I hope that those that finally got a fire lit underneath them with George Floyd continue that fire till they take their last breath. Like this isn't a seasonal thing. Cause obviously it's not going away. Like it, it, it's sad that, you know, I'm not certain if it was because of an air freshener or uh, because of tags that this man who had a one year old is gone. Like, it's just um, ridiculous. So to answer your question, I know I gave you a long answer there. I'm, I'm glad that game is postponed is it, probably you know, Tech Cat. I didn't see Cat playing anyway. Carl Anthony Towns playing anyway, and yeah, um, he uh, he was already declared out for this yeah. game. I believe yeah. it was the second night of a back to back, but I also yeah. believe tomorrow, which uh, Tuesday is the uh, one year anniversary of his mother's death. So yeah. I don't know what the per- he just said personal, but I can yeah. get a fair guess. But no, but kudos to the NBA, the N- NHL, and Major League Baseball for thinking this was an important enough to not have a game in, in Minneapolis today of any sort. Yeah. So, um, the trial, uh, after following, uh, you know, the trial involving George Floyd's uh, death is also ongoing in Minneapolis right now, which, um, also, um, makes the situation all the more, um, sensitive. Yeah. Uh, so, um, it's uh, it's obviously a very disappointing, uh, upsetting, uh, stressful time. Um, Woj has reported that it's possible that the game could be rescheduled and played on Tuesday. Now, I don't know. It's, it, you know, I guess we're going to see. You know, it's hard to know that. You know, like I said, we're recording this Monday afternoon. I don't know what the situation is going to is going to hold there. Um, hopefully. Um, 
uh, you know, that can take place. But I will say that, you know, to bring it back to the NBA, if the Nets play on Tuesday, uh, it then becomes a back-to-back because then they would go to Philadelphia. And I don't think Kevin Durant is playing in back-to-backs yet um, coming off of that uh, hamstring injury. So I don't know what this would mean. Durant is on the trip and had intended to play uh, in Monday's uh, scheduled game. So I don't know what that does for that game on Wednesday, Kirk, because uh, Kyrie Irving is out with, he is away with the team on personal reasons. I don't know if he's going to be back. And James Harden uh, has been dealing with a hamstring injury. It's possible the Nets could be heavily depleted again um, in that game, which will have a lot of uh, value, at least for a regular season game. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, bringing it back to, to, to the NBA and why that game is so important, there's like several reasons. You pointed out the tiebreaker. These are the two top teams in the East. The Bucks are a few games behind. But things seem to be breaking for, for Doc Rivers and the, and the Sixers right now for a couple reasons. Number one, you already pointed out the, the Brooklyn Nets, their number one competitor for that top seed, are, are shorthanded uh, and could be for a minute. Um, in addition... Uh, buried in the, in, in, in the stats. The Sixers have a much easier schedule remaining than the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, so that, that works in their favor. So if they're able to win this game on Wednesday, get that tiebreaker, the schedule might do the rest of the work. You know, if I had to predict right now, the Sixers are going to have home court. And you alluded to this earlier, Brian. It's a weird time for home court in the NBA, but for whatever reason, it seems to be really important for the Sixers team. So yeah the, other, yeah, the other thing Spears is if, you know, regardless of whether or not the Nets are going to be intimidated playing there, um, if you, the way the East is, you know, after three, I think Atlanta is in four right now, but they're like three games even farther back in Milwaukee, even with Milwaukee suffering a, uh, some losses here with Giannis recovering from a knee issue, um, if you are the one seed, you are on the opposite side of the bracket, probably as the Bucks are going to be. So that means you would have to, you know, not have to deal with Giannis and the Bucks. Or if you if you have to, I shouldn't say that. You wouldn't have to. You would have to deal with either um, Giannis or the Nets if you're the Sixers and get number one. Not both of them, and that could have its advantages too, which which would give Philly even mm-hmm. more of an incentive to to try to get that game. Yeah. No. I mean. Um... For the Sixers, this is uh, territory that they haven't been to in a while, and uh, this is this is great for Doc Rivers and company. And I, I don't know off the top of my hand how many people the Sixers are letting in to the games, and I wonder, you know, by chance, uh, come to the end of the season, which is what uh, about a month from now. Um, what they will be able to let in. And and we all know, man, if there's <laughs> one of the crazier places to play is, is in Philly. So, I mean, if they're letting more and more people in, uh, perhaps that has a little, um, you know, uh, more edge to it. Like uh, we know their fans to have, but um, I also, to you, to your point, Brian, like just to avoid, uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee till the conference finals would be amazing for them because I, whoever gets that number one seat to me, I mean, this is what all due respect to, uh, uh, and this is assuming Sixers, Nets, or Bucks are, are in the top three. Uh, they got a cakewalk to the Eastern Conference finals. 
So to yeah, me, the, that number one seed is extremely valuable. Yeah, the only team I would keep an eye on there would be Miami. Yep. You know, or I think Boston. my yeah. I mean, you just never yeah. know what them. You know, Boston. <laughs> you're right. I think you have to respect Boston's talent, and I know that they've you know they've had a couple of you know they've kind of gotten the ship right a little bit. They've won three in a row. Um, they've won seven out of ten, so they're playing a little bit better. Um, I well, don't know. Why, if, why don't I change it to cakewalk to? Well, let me see, uh, like a uh, 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 like a little donut walk. How's that? Because maybe cakewalk probably is pretty too big. <laughs> maybe walk. I like a that donut walk. You know, I what like mean? that. It, I will say this: like better. I, I'd definitely rather get the field versus uh, the, the right. Nets or the Bucks. And by the way, like right now, the the I mean, they're. Boston is in, in theory essentially tied with Charlotte for the sixth seed, but there's a scenario that exists that let's say Miami, who's in fifth, but is out west, and you know Miami could take a, a loss here or there. I mean Miami very easily could end up in sixth, and Boston could end up in you know could end up in seventh, and if that's the case, then Philly, yeah. I mean, you know Philly's dream scenario would be to not be on the same side of the bracket as Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, or Boston. I mean, that is not un – it is almost there now. Yeah, that's what um, they should root for. That's an incredible yeah. bracket for them. Now, I mean, again, you know, no offense to the Hawks. I mean, those guys have never played in the playoffs. No offense to the Hornets or the Knicks or, you know, the Pacers and Bulls are hanging around. But it's not the same. So um, all of it points to the fact that Philly – should try to win and try to win hard on uh, on Wednesday night. And hey, listen, if 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 the Nets are really limited, here's a question I have: If you're the if you're the uh, Nets, and there's going to be other factors here, it may not just come down to an organizational decision, you know, because of what what's all in play. Do you hold Kevin Durant out of the front end of the back to back, then travel him and have him? play in Philly? Do you do you take a selection if it turns out to be that way? Or do you because typically when players you know in back to backs players play the first game and uh and not the second, especially if there's travel involved. Um but like I said it's a high value game. Uh what do you do, Kirk? Do you You take care of Kevin Durant. I mean he's still in a minutes restriction. He's probably gonna play one of those two games, you know. That is a tough choice because the if you don't play Kevin for the Minnesota game, in theory, if they hold that game tomorrow night has been suggested, maybe you lose that game because nobody else is available either. So that's a tough one. And 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 from Philly's perspective, bring it back to them for just a second. One of the other sneaky consequences here, if the Sixers are able to steal this one seed a couple of regular season awards become a lot more sort of probable there. The the coach of the year, if you're sitting at Doc Rivers, is the one seed, but more important potentially is the MVP. And I got a good stat for you guys. 48 out of 65 previous MVP winners have been uh, members of the top seeded team at the end of the regular season. So a majority, a vast majority. And the other front runner, ironically, is a center. No center has won the MVP in uh, 20 years since Shaq was in, in, in purple and gold. Uh, so I think one thing, if, if people are rooting for Joel Embiid to win MVP, is, is watch this race for the number one seed and, and certainly for Doc's Coach of the Year's chances too. So this game on Wednesday is really important for the Sixers. I think they've won 80% of their home games. Um, and as you said, the other sort of buried thing is it, it, in theory, keeps you out of Milwaukee's side of the bracket entirely. So 
I don't think you could have much higher stakes for the Sixers. The Nets are looking at this game through a very different lens, Brian. Just how do we get to the playoffs in one piece and keeping Kevin on that minutes restriction, not playing back-to-backs is obviously their their best strategy here. Um, and, you know, from their perspective, they're probably happy with the two if that means all of their three big guys are ready for playoff basketball in a few weeks. You know, I'm I'm sitting Durant against Minnesota, if, assuming the game is on Tuesday, um, because I, I'm assuming Cat's not playing either, right? So um, I'd probably roll the dice in Minneapolis um, and, and save him for, for the matchup on Wednesday and, you know, hope and pray on Tuesday night that uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and 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 Blake and company can get it done against um, Anthony Edwards and the Miracles, you know? <laughs> you know what, though? Minnesota has been playing. They've been that, playing well. They've been playing yeah, Chris right. Finch is starting to um, make a, make a, some inroads there, make some progress. And uh, I don't know whether he was going to be at the game, but I saw that A-Rod's jet was in uh, was at Minneapolis Airport today. Um, wow. A Rod uh, uh, in talks to become um, a uh, limited owner, uh, partial owner of the Timberwolves, with the possibility that down the line he and his investment partner could could buy the team. But um, I don't know. But it's possible that uh, A Rod is going to be on the stands. I don't know if that's worth uh, half a point or something. But um, uh, um, yeah, uh, but even regardless of that game, like I said, Wednesday's game is essentially worth two. So even if you sit Durant or even, even if you lose that game with Durant, it's lesser than, than the game on Wednesday. Um, so we'll definitely, definitely, like that, that game is on ESPN. So um, it's going to be a national audience and um it should be very interesting. And I agree with Spears. I, I, the, the Sixers lost a game at home within the last, I feel like 10 days. And I don't remember what the circumstances were, but their, their, their whole fans were booing them and you could hear it. You know, you could hear the boos. I remember seeing the video. So I'm sure that, um, <laughs> that the cheers will be valuable to them as well. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Speaking of seating, um, the LA Lakers have, they're on an East Coast trip right now. Uh, They do play tonight, so uh, we'll see how that plays out. But they have done a pretty nice job of keeping their head above water. Um, they definitely have lost ground in the standings, but, um, they've split their last 10 games, which is pretty good without LeBron and AD. And 
are holding on to the five seed and are, are played good defense. Um, now, Woj reported over the weekend that it looks like it's going to be at least another three weeks for Anthony Davis with the Achilles injury and that LeBron James is on roughly the same schedule. We'll see how that injury reacts. So that means still quite a few more games without them. Um, they start the week two games clear of Portland in six. And then the important thing, um, you know, trying to avoid the seven so you avoid the play-in tournament is uh, they're right now three and a half games clear of the Mavericks who had a – uh, disappointing loss at home to the Spurs on Sunday night. Um, uh, the Mavericks play the 76ers uh, Monday night, so we'll see what happens in that one. But, um, Kirk, the, the Lakers have ha- kind of held their own and and have remained at the top of the league for defense. Frank Vogel's done a really nice job of getting the guys that he's had because he's had other guys go in and out of the lineup. Schroeder was out for a few games. Uh, now Kyle Kuzma is battling an injury, but no matter who he's put out there, they've defended and they've they they're hanging on. What do you what do you think their outlook is at this point? I have been going to the plan. I think uh, the lowest they can drop is seven, but I see them going there for a couple of reasons. And and you're right, they play really well. The the victory over Brooklyn um, on prime time on Saturday night was huge. And then you mentioned the Mavericks lost at home to the Spurs, so they could still end up in the top six. Now, remember, everybody, the top six seeds are important now because seven puts you in the play-in. So one of the things I've learned from you, Brian Windhorst, is the following. The NBA loves to jam-pack LeBron James games in prime time (laughs) and national TV towards the latter half of the post-Super Bowl NBA calendar. And that means really tough games and really tough opponents. And in a world where both Anthony Davis and LeBron James are not playing. That means really tough games uh, for the Lakers. Indeed, they have the hardest schedule remaining of any of the Western contenders. And the Mavericks have one of the easiest ones and they're healthy and they're playing pretty well. Three and a half games separate them now. The Lakers have a tough road. I think it's very, very plausible. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say likely, but that's kind of where I am right now. Um, I think it's plausible they they begin their title defense in that play-in tournament against a team like the Grizzlies in a 7-8 game and try to play their way into the seventh seed, which would be remarkable. Uh, and also bad news for a team like the Suns, who's on this crazy run right now, ends up as the two seed, and their reward for that is LeBron and AD in the first round of the playoffs. So I could, I could really see this happening. Um, again, at this point of the season, the key thing to look at is strength of schedule remaining. The Lakers have a very tough road ahead of them. They're short-handed, and the Mavericks have an easy road. So that's what gets me there. So as a reminder the way the play-in tournament works, um, the seven and eight, at the end of the season, the teams that are finished seven and eight play each other, and the teams that are nine and ten play each other. And whoever wins the seven and eight game gets the seven seed, moves on. The loser doesn't get eliminated. They stay alive, and then they play the winner of the team that finishes, the, the teams that are 9 and 10. Those teams play, and the winner advances. So um, if you are the 7 or 8, you have essentially a double elimination. You know, there's there's breathing room there. And if you are the 9 or 10, you have to win two games um, to uh, to advance into the actual playoff bracket. In my mind, if you're in the top 10, you're in the playoffs. And I'm sure the teams who are there will kind of 
kind of count it with a, with a wink. Um, Spears, the thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is not so much the Lakers' seed. It's that, you know, if Woj is on there, and he usually is, that Anthony Davis is still nowhere close to returning. And this is an injury that I know that they've tried to not make a big deal of the time frame, but he has now been out for a long time and is still apparently not close. And it's an Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more worried about that than anything. Yeah, and then another thing that, that makes it more challenging for the Lakers as they, as they drop or if they continue to drop, your opponent gets harder. So, I, you know, I think if they were well, – LeBron was still playing and they were still 1-2, perhaps you feel like, well, you know, if we got Dallas in the first round or Memphis in the first round, we could maybe get by either without Anthony or Anthony in limited minutes, you know. And now uh, the one thing I'm looking at, man, is – even if they get to six, there's like they can be played the Clippers in the first round. I know, and that's something that I'm really, 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 really keeping an eye on. Like it, it might actually benefit them to be in the seventh seed. Mm-hmm. Not that the Suns are any easy, but yeah, do you well, really want to see? You know, the, I respect them, but they have no playoff experience. So, I mean, Chris Paul know. does. Well, Chris yeah, Paul and Jake Crowder, yeah, you no, know, as but, a team, they they've never done it. But I'm I'm standing next to you with that because. That's with all due respect to Chris and book. You, you want to see them over the Clippers if you yeah. have to in the first round, you know? So I'm really, really curious about where they're going. I, I can't see them holding on to a top five seed. And um, I mean, it, it, this is Dallas is starting to play better too. I mean, we'll see if, uh, you know, the, I'm keeping an eye on the Porzingis Donsick relationship, and but it doesn't seem to be affecting how they play too too much. But man, this is um to your point, man. With Anthony Davis still being out, the more and more they push it back, the more I start wondering if he's going to be back at all. Well, there's you know Anthony Davis has been you know last year he talked about how. LeBron had um, encouraged him to push himself through injuries because he has, you know, gone through a lot of injuries in his career. And I don't know if he's been criticized, but it's been questioned about his level of interest in playing through injuries. He did answer a lot of questions about that last year, but in this case, it's an Achilles. Yeah. And, you know, go ask KD about. Yeah. I don't want to see that again, Brian. I I think you were there in Toronto. I was there. I I don't. Oh man, I was. That was not fun to see. That um, so where I where I was working out of in Toronto that night, we had a. This is kind of boring, but it's just an interesting little thing. Like we had a little working room, and during the finals, there's access to special feeds that I don't normally have in an NBA game. So I try to put myself in a specific room, television feeds that I can see that others, you know, that you can't see elsewhere, uh, maybe on the bench. (laughs) Um, And so I was in this, this room that we had at this arena. I say, we, you know, ABC ESPN. And it was back by the, like behind the Warriors locker room, a room that I think normally is the NHL referees room, but they had uh, transformed it over to, um, this special room f- for the finals. And that's the back way out where the, where the uh, injury, where the, uh, uh, you know, trainer's room and everything is. And 
uh, it got a lot, unfortunately got a lot of uh, attention that night. Kevon Looney got hurt that night and he was back there. And so I saw KD come out like midway through, maybe it was the second quarter or third quarter. I yeah. can't remember. Um, he, he's, he, he's leaving the game. And I remember Bob Myers was with him. Uh, I think his brother was with him. Uh, Rich Kleiman, his agent was with him. Uh, and it was just right outside the doorway. Um, I wasn't eavesdropping or anything. They just, they had to walk past me and KD had the boot on and all of their, their faces. I mean, they, they didn't know for sure. They, they were going to get the MRI at that moment. Um, the looks on their faces, like, like, you know, I can't like report it's a torn Achilles, but I could just look at them and tell it was a torn Achilles. And so, um, you know, and they had done everything to get back ready for that game. So I can certainly understand why AD is is going to definitely be cautious with this injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really more worrisome. But, you know, you bring up a good point about the seeding. So the last podcast we had, we talked about all the teams uh, in the West that um, we thought really could could win it. I mean, you got to be crazy not to pay attention to the Nuggets. No, yeah. Um, great now. We're Aaron. And – and you know, you know what reminds me, Spears. See if you agree with me on this. My first year covering the league, you'd been covering the league for a while by then. My first year covering the league, two thousand three, four trade deadline. The Detroit Pistons trade for Rasheed Wallace. And I'm not comparing Aaron Gordon to Rasheed Wallace, <laughs> just to be clear. But what happened on that Detroit team was that once Rasheed was there, it solidified everybody's um, roles. And it was such the perfect fit. And like, even though they were already a good team, it like turned them up. Nobody could score on them. I mean, I remember they went through this crazy run where like they were holding teams under 70 for a while. And all of a sudden, like you saw them play after the trade and there you were like, whoa, this team looks awesome. And it's kind of what Denver looks like i mean yeah it's not like aaron gordon's coming in there averaging 35 points but everybody's role is a little bit better yeah and and i'm gonna I'm see your trade and i'm gonna throw this one at you what happened february 1 2008 uh i'll tell you because we're out of time limit <laughs> <laughs> was that antonio mcdice or no memphis traded Pau gasol to the Lakers uh, yeah. for for a second round pick, Kwame Brown, Javaris Crittenden, Aaron McKee, oh, Javaris the Crittenden. To, there's a throwback. <laughs> the rights oh, to Marcusall and two firsts, and uh, very very interesting trade for to get. An Kobe all-star. retired his trade demand. Yeah, <laughs> and there and then that basically, you know, put. The Lakers in a position to to remember the 2008 Finals. Who did the Lakers play? They played Boston, right? So yeah. um, that that usually, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong. Typically, when you make trades in the middle of the season, like big trades, it might take into the next season for everything to fit. That's but true. to your point, like the Rasheed Wallace trade, the Pau Gasol trade, like typically. Ma- but th- those mammoth trades did, you know, amazing wonders for both those teams. So I'm just saying this. So, so right now the Nuggets are in fourth. They keep winning, but they can't make up any ground on the Clippers. The Clippers won five in a row. But, Kirk, there's a possibility that the Lakers, the Spears mentioned that the Lakers, if they get seven, 
you know, it's hard to tell what will happen in the standings, but it's possible they could avoid the Nuggets and Clippers. Um, and yeah, they got to win the playoff. They, yeah, they got to win the playoff uh, um, round, and eventually, potentially, they'd have to see the Clippers. But you know, finishing seventh might not be such a bad idea. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Spears might be onto something. Yeah, I think so. I think, and the other thing that's happening in the Western Conference is the bottom half of that play-in bracket seeds nine and ten aren't looking really good right now. Right now, it's the San Antonio Spurs, my beloved Spurs, but they have the hardest schedule remaining in the NBA, arguably. And then the Golden State Warriors currently holding down the 10th spot. These aren't great teams. So that that's not as scary as it, as it used to be a few weeks ago, if that makes sense. Uh, and then the Pelicans currently might be the team that sneaks in. if The, the Spurs Spurs. Of chocolate Pelicans. <laughs> yeah. So. Jeez. I wouldn't be afraid to play in the play-in tournament if I were the Lakers. You'd probably play the Grizzlies for the, the seventh seed. Also, if you're the seventh seed, you're going to be Gary. You, oh. you have home court in the play. You know, even if you <laughs> lose somehow that first game, you would then get to be at home. So I know it's not the home court they're looking for, but they yeah. would have the safety net of being that Staples as well. Yeah, I think what's happening out west is there's seven really decent teams, uh, a couple of fine teams above that fray, but seven teams competing for those six guaranteed spots. And depending on how far the Lakers fall or how high the Mavericks climb, uh, the Lakers find themselves in that playing game. And uh, but based on the current competition in that playing group, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be afraid if I was a Lakers fan, especially assuming. And this is a big assumption that both of these guys come back. The other thing I'd point out, going back to to the bubble and the shortest offseason of all time, some of us saw this coming. Some of us saw the Lakers having a 71-day offseason and being asked to flip around and start playing these games again. Now these schedules are are so jam-packed with games. You know, these these injuries, I hate to say I saw it coming, but it was a lot to ask for these teams like Miami – and the Lakers to get through that rapid turnaround and try to play another season right away. And, and let me point something else out. This is not just the only jam-packed season. Next season will be too. Not for everybody, but they're going to start on time. And that means that for a couple of teams to play into July, they're going to have a, they're going to have again another short off season. And there's an Olympics, Oof. so I'm not expecting. Um, uh, most teams, you know, or most of the guys who who pl- who make it to the to the conference finals, which would you know bring you into July for sure, to play in that Olympics. But you know, there will be a you know a bunch, of, and just not just the American team guys. You know, the Canadians are revving up. Actually, you know, as a quick quick aside, and I'm it's it's my job because I cover the Team USA. But um, you know the Canadians are going to have to qu- try to qualify. They haven't qualified for their uh, spot yet uh, in the Olympics. But they get they get a home qualifier. They get to play their qualifier in Canada. And if they get their way in, there has been some indication that a bunch of their guys are going to play, like like uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, like Jamal Murray, like Tristan Thompson. Um, uh, who are other some of the Canadians? I'm uh, Corey Joseph. Um, they may have a really good team, and if they can win their way, they got a terrible draw. Um, but they would be, be a threat to the U.S. over there. But my point is, it could be dozens of players. You know, when you also figure in the uh, 
potentially the Serbians, um, potentially the um, the you know the Spanish and the French. There could be hey, a bunch hey, of uh, hey. Let me throw a team in there to you. And now you're like you're only saying this because the Nigerians. Yes. <laughs> How did you read my mind, Mike Brown, baby? <laughs> yeah, Mike Mike Brown's coaching the, the hey, Nigerian let, team. Let me tell you something. Mike Brown is like trying to do like God's work with this team, right? He's like not only like uh, getting all the tie and like anybody that has Nigerian ties to play, right? He's getting these guys in, and um, he's got Monty. What's the guy from the um, from the Nuggets? Monty Morris. Monty, Monty Morris. Morris is their yeah. is their point guard, but he's like getting all these celebrities, whether they're athletes or uh, comedian actress Yvonne Orji or. Um, all these like Nigerian entertainers and football NFL players to wear Nigeria basketball t-shirts. <laughs> like, he, yeah. like he's trying to bring like this force of energy um, and even like a charitable nonprofit thing with this team. So I, I don't know what kind of impression that they make this year, but uh, there, there's so many NBA players that have some Nigerian blood in them. Like that, they're a team to kind of keep an eye on for the future. Well, I would say to keep an eye on for the future, all of the African nations, because uh, there are, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that there's dozens, but there are more Pascal Siakams and Joel Embiid's over there. And that's one of the reasons why NBA Africa, they're just starting their league after being delayed a year. But, um, you know, for a long time, we thought that China was going to be the new frontier of NBA players. It turned out not to be the case. But Africa is already there. So, um, but anyway, uh, so we're going to have a short off season next year to start. There's going to be a lot of guys who are uh, are going to are going to are going to feel this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and leveled up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts 122 million for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. You mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Kirk, about how the Pelicans are hanging around as much as they've had a difficult year. They are now, and they're five games under 500, um, but uh, they are only a game back of the Warriors who may have lost James Wiseman for the year. We'll see how uh, they decide to treat it. I would say almost certainly he's not going to play, but you know, it's not a hundred percent for sure. He's not. Um, 
Steph's on a mission. He's like scoring 38 every night, but um, guys, Zion Williamson. And, and I know that, um, you know, JJ Reddick threw a thunderbolt at, at Griff and the organization uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, it's been a little bit rough, but you know, Zion Williamson has been just amazing. And, and he is playing more and more point guard. Um, he basically is their point guard now. And, um, even by LeBron standards, who is one of the biggest, strongest point guards we've ever seen, he and Magic sort of set the, the tone for that. Zion is of a different breed. And the thing that is blowing me away about Zion and his performance and how he's carrying this team is that I don't, he really doesn't have any experience at this yet. Like he is playing point, you know, basically point power forward, but in a lot of ways, point guard with very little experience. He defensively still is very inexperienced, doesn't totally understand where he needs to be at all times, and yet is excelling at an incredible level. I mean, he's averaging 27 points. Um, his, his, um, you know, he's averaging four assists a game. Uh, he's shooting an unbelievable 62% from the field. He's even, his three point shooting is still not that high volume, but it's okay. And um, his free throw shooting has really improved, and he's getting to the line more uh, this year than he did last year. You know, he's over, he's at over 70, he's at 71%, much uh, improved than where he first started out last year. Uh, Spears, like, regardless of whether they get themselves in the play in tournament or not, like, Zion is who we thought he was, but just in a way we didn't expect at this point guard position and so you know zion goes in the preseason his rookie year plays in chicago looks like you know the best player that played there since michael jordan right <laughs> right and then he, he he goes and plays utah and dunks on gobert and i'm like wow this this guy's gonna be special and then he gets hurt and then after he gets back he was okay and then the bubble experience was um forgettable and I think in the early of the season, people were like saying, okay, he's mortal. Maybe he's not what we expected him to be. But sometime from, you know, uh, being named an all-star to now, this dude has become Superman and has been owning the league. He's been owning the paint. He's been this bully who realized how big and strong he is. I mean, he's had eight 30-point games without a field goal outside of the paint. It's most in the league. The rest of the league combined has seven. Like, <laughs> that's crazy, man. And so he I, – I respect the fact, and maybe this is his old school mentality. Like, my, my last year in college, I shot 65% from the field, Brian. Oh, yeah. I've uh, never heard these stats. Yeah, at UDC. Now, what I did shoot other, 45% for the free throw line. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a different story. But <laughs> – the reason why Let's get shot, the uh, heat map out. Yeah, we'll, we'll very... get the shot chart up on the website. Yeah, folks. don't do the free throw <laughs> shot chart. But the, the the reason why I shot so well is because I never took a shot outside of three or four feet, right? And I just appreciate as a with from the old school, like him realizing his strengths and basically bullying everybody for success. And, and Stan certainly got that in his mind. So. You know, kudos to to him for his bully ball, old school Moses Malone Barkley kind of style that that I hope he continues and I, and I hope he stays healthy. And hey, who knows? Since we're talking about seeds, you know, 
would that be kind of cool to see a, a Pelicans at Lakers play it too? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got to say, like um... – at Not out of realm of possibility. <laughs> I did a uh, I did a piece on him early in the season, and I talked to Stan Van Gundy, and I was talking about how um, he was doing really well. Like, and he would pick the ball off the backboard. Like they were they were really instructing him to when he got a defensive rebound to go ahead and go initiate. Um, he was having some success with it, and uh, Stan said, um, "Yeah, we want him to go run the offense when." he gets a rebound, but we also want him to run the offense just in general. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, he is, he is that good. And uh, we think that there's more to growth to grow there. And it, Stan has been right. And not only that, from what I understand, like he's even blown the coaching staff away, how good he's been at this. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because I have a piece that I wrote with Andrew Lopez. that's waiting to run later this week, but he's been so strong Kirk that I question whether or not the Pelicans are going to try to keep Lonzo ball because if he's going to be, you know, Lonzo's played pretty well with him. Lonzo's had a good year off the ball, but Lonzo was available in trade talks. They didn't find a trade, but there's a possibility he could be a sign and trade candidate this summer because their point guard of the future might be Zion. And it may be about finding guys who fit along side that concept not that Lonzo doesn't Lonzo is shooting much better like 38% on three but uh, you know they may they may build a they may have to build their team around point Zion yeah they might and and you know what's funny is they if there's something they haven't cracked yet guys it's the ability to play defense when Zion's on the court and and I think he's presenting you both a very enticing but also unprecedented uh, team building opportunity. If if you're if you're the New Orleans Pelicans, and it, the conventional wisdom doesn't apply. We've never seen a player like this. It's like if Barkley had even better feel for the game, could pass. Uh, the way he gets to right. the rim, he's putting up numbers we haven't seen in the paint since Shaq. Second callback to Shaq in his prime since Shaq was in L.A. Like he's scoring twenty points a game in the paint. Uh, he scored thirty two points in the paint against Cleveland on Sunday night. These are ridiculous cartoon video game numbers. Uh, If they could figure out how to build around them, which is essentially pretty easy on offense, just get out of the freaking way, um, which they've been doing. If they can figure out how to build a solid defense around them, you know, he is who we thought we would be. He he is an unprecedented offensive player. um, And the Pelicans could ride him all the way into uh, lots of success in the future. The problem is yes, defense. So, the problem is defense. Right. So they have Steven Adams, who they've signed to an extension and is going to be their center for at least the short-term future. I mean, I guess anything's possible, but they, they traded for him and extended him. And obviously they have uh, Brandon Ingram, who is going to be their three. He signed a max contract. He's their three. Um so what you really want to have around Zion is you want to have guys who can shoot because he's not an outside shooter and Steven Adams is not. So you don't really want to have another guy who can't stretch the floor, which again, Lonzo, Lonzo shooting eight threes a game. He is stretching the floor. Um, but uh, I don't know if there's a different type of fit. Um, you know, you, you want Man, that type wouldn't of it be, Wouldn't it be good to have somebody like J.J. Redick on there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, JJ and, and 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 Zion were really good in, in the pick and roll um, earlier this year. Um, 
but then you all ideally what you need is a guy who can be a pretty versatile defender too. Like one of the things that uh, that the Miami Heat did when they figured out how to play with LeBron, and, and it's not that LeBron and Zion are that close, but they had kind of a similar challenge is that they wanted to find somebody who could stretch the floor for LeBron, but also defend at the other end so that they didn't have to tax LeBron so hard on defense. And they found Shane Battier. And Shane Battier for, I think they paid him $3 million a year at the beginning of that contract. Uh, Shane Battier went out there and stood in the corner and hit corner threes and would go defend the other team's power forward at times uh, because they moved Chris Bosh to center. Oh, but that made Battier real happy. You had LeBron saying, uh, yeah, Bosh is going to play center. Uh, LeBron does not want to guard power forwards. And Shane's like, well, who do I guard? Uh, how about the power forward? So Shane just got, you know, he would just case himself in ice after every game. He would just go sit in the in the cold tub after the games. But um, that was a signing that helped unlock uh, the Heat and helped them. You know, they won two championships by his first two years. Um, that's the kind of player that I think could really help New Orleans. A guy, for example, like Jeremy Grant, as an example, if they could find a Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant is not available, but if they could find a player like that, um, I think that could really be interesting. And, and watching the Pelicans play, even though they're still five games below 500 and they still have disappointing losses and they still have nights where they get blown up on defense, I can see where the excitement level is for this team, Spears. I know you've spent some time in New Orleans this year. You, um, you know, you've you've seen them quite a bit. Yeah, no, they they have certainly um, one of the more unique experiences in the NBA right now due to COVID, where they're basically like, yeah, just come in. <laughs> no test, yeah. no nothing. Just come in, come watch the game. You know, and no, they. It's they funny, the two the two places you've spent time at, which is New Orleans and and Golden State, are completely at the opposite oh, ends of the spectrum. Goodness. And, and I'm not trying to beat up the Pelicans, you know, because they do distance and they, them poor folks that got to stand at the bottom of the uh, of each section or holding a sign up the whole game about, you know, get your mask and you only two or four people can sit there at a time. But um, and their their concessions are outstanding. You know, they got jambalaya and they have shrimp tacos. So I mean, hey, they have that going for them. But you know, when you go to a Warriors game, um, you, you have to get a COVID test every time. Which actually, for the last couple of months, has made me feel like sometimes, like, yeah, I don't know that I really want to see the magic, but I could get a COVID test, so I'm going to go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and interestingly, and I know I'm way off topic, but I'm going to the Lakers game on Thursday, and and I have been fully vaccinated. So uh, in the Lakers game, they they want to see a COVID test, or they they want um, now that they're allowing fans in come Thursday, or you to show your vaccination card. So it's, it's, it's really interesting how it's not uniform. Like every place is different depending on where they are in the country. And that has nothing to do with the Pelicans, but I do think um, Zion has to take them there. They need to find more consistency. Obviously BI needs to take them there as well. Um, and, and, and I think they are starting to get some momentum to, to get in a playing game, but they can't split 10 right now. They need to win at least 70% of their games, which is, Certainly easier said than done for a team that lacks consistency. The thing about the Pelicans, they have $90 million in, in money on their books for next year. Um, so that leaves them with about uh, $20 million in space. But um, 
they have draft picks plus Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart to deal with. They probably will not end up having meaningful cap space unless they make a trade. I know they've been looking at options for Eric Bledsoe, but um, they have all these draft picks that they got for, for Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. So they are in position to try to upgrade this team through trade. And that's where things could potentially get interesting, Kirk. Is there, we talk about a player that they may need or want, but they may be able to swing a pretty big trade because of those uh, Laker and Bucks picks. Those picks aren't potentially great short term, but long term they could have value for the same reason the Bucks or the, uh, the Pelicans themselves wanted them. Yeah, and if I'm if I'm Dave Griffin or or, or anybody on in, in in the Pelicans front office, I'm trying to get defense and rim protection because as good as Zion is, that's not something he's going to give you in the middle. And uh, names like Miles Turner, I'll throw that out there. Have been mentioned in trade rumors before. Obviously, pretty good at protecting the basketball. I have no idea if he's the kind of player who's going to be available. But I would be trading for defensive talent, particular interior rim protection, uh, to try to get this defensive rating as good as the offensive rating is and will be with Zion and Brandon Ingram uh, around there. So I think they do have an opportunity to get good players out of other teams' rosters with these draft assets and some of their current players under contract, as you mentioned. So it, again, the, the, the long-term fix in New Orleans is on defense. The offense looks to be in great shape. <laughs> yeah, for a team in 11th place – who's about to have their third straight losing season. I mean, I guess they could get it above 500, but it looks like their third straight losing season is coming. Um, not so bad, you know, regardless of some of the rough patches they've had this year. All right. Thank you, Mr. Spears. Thank you, Mr. Goldsberry. Thank you to Tony, who is our producer. Thank you for listening. We will be talking to you later in the week. Peace. tournament challenge is here and guess what i'm doing my bracket right now making picks predicting upsets winning my bracket group and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind hey you never know and if i can do it while recording this awesome commercial you can too anyone can bracket download the espn tournament challenge app to play the number one bracket game presented by Allstate.